Well, it's good. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. You know, I, uh, I feel kind of bad. I want to I wanna talk about Father Power today. Amen. Everyone say Father Power. <laughs> I, I want to uh, share a little bit about the importance of empowering fathers today. I can't think of uh, any more of an endangered species than fathers today. Uh, just simply because of, of the way our society is going. It's not all without hope. I believe God is bringing a fresh word of life and revival to uh, the church. And I believe that when we get back to the basics, when we come to understand what God's intent for the home is, uh, we're going to have a home that is healthy. You know, years ago, I used to be a carpenter. And one of the things about being a builder is you never build anything unless you have a blueprint. You, never, you don't even want to guess at it. How many here have ever attempted to do something without following the directions? Anybody ever done that before? How many of you, you wing it? And then you come back later on to find out, I mean, this is, I'll never forget one time my wife... Uh, I was trying to put some pump plumbing fixture under our sink. And by the way, you never want me to do your plumbing. It will leak every time. And I remember I was in a hurry and I wanted to get this sink in and I pulled it apart as I usually do. I didn't read the instructions on this time, but I getting under it. I figured I could put this thing together. And I'm pulling my hair out. As you can tell, I've lost a few. But uh, my wife comes in and says, have you read the directions? I said, no, I haven't. Give those here to me. So I took them. <laughs> she, she uh, after 30 minutes of hard knocks, I finally read the instructions. It's amazing how things go together when you read the directions. And, uh, well, the same thing applies in our home. God has given us the Word, and the Word is what makes our families function Right? It is a manual. It is, it is the Word of God. It's, it's amazing what the Bible gives us. Do you know the Bible actually tells you the kind of spouse to look for? Do you want to know? In fact, uh, instead of getting on eHarmony.com or going on some website, try the Bible. It'll actually tell you what to avoid and what to look for in a spouse. How many of you think that would just be good? In fact, you know the Bible will actually tell you how to build and start a business. Guess what nuggets of wisdom the Bible actually teaches when it comes to business. This is a big one. A lot of people, not the Christians, don't even know this one. It says, never go into business with a partner. It actually teaches, don't have a business partner. How many of you know, you can't have two heads driving the bus? And there's a lot of people, they didn't even know that was in the Bible. The Bible actually discouraged business partnership. It, it, it does that. A lot of Christians get into business. I've seen it over and over, and they have problems. It tells, tells you how to save money. It tells you how to strategize the Word of God. But yet today, in the churches, many people are not being taught the Word of God. There's many people today, they, by the way, do you know the Bible will tell you, teach you, how to raise champion kids. It'll teach you how to raise your family. 
It'll teach you, give you wisdom. It's interesting in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a book of contrasts. It talks about the wise and the foolish. It deals with the prudent and the stupid or the ignorant. How many here want to be stupid? (laughs) Nobody wants to be stupid. But the Bible teaches us that a wise man will hear instruction. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's not a college degree. That may shock you. But the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so when we begin to go into the Word of God, it's so practical and it's so applicable. But yet today, there is a war on this book. There's a war against this book. Do you know that today? Today we're redefining the family. It's no longer one man and one woman. It's two women or two men or transvestites. Uh, uh, Parents no longer have authority or judicial uh, authority in the home. Children in some states now, there's, there's now laws, legislation being passed where children now have rights in the home. I do believe in a healthy environment, and I do believe that I do believe in the rights of children in, in the sense of for protection, obviously. But this book is being challenged, and I want to tell you why. If Satan can destroy the natural model, if he can destroy the physical natural model of a natural father and a natural mother, we will never get and understand the spiritual model that God intended for us to understand. Paul in the book of Corinthians talks about that first the natural, then the spiritual. If you don't understand the natural, the Bible says you won't understand the spiritual. So God establishes the first to help us understand the, the spiritual things of God. And so that's, that's why we need models. And today I want to talk about Father power. I want you to jump in your Bibles to the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi, Malachi chapter 4. I want you to see there's a warning that the Old Testament ends in Malachi chapter 4. Now, I've been on a series on honor lately. And one of the things that we've been teaching is that God has called us all to live in an environment of honor. When you're born again, when you're saved, God brings you into an environment of honor. Because it's in that environment that you heal, that you grow, that you, you begin to make sound and wide advi- ad, 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 uh, understanding uh, and how to advance. But in our culture today... It's almost as though we glorify the perverted. We glorify those who are in rebellion. It's our society today. We glorify the ridiculous or the the insane. And it's it's amazing how when Peter in the book of Acts said to the on the day of Pentecost to save yourself from this backward generation. Backward. Everyone say backward. In other words, when a generation lives without God, it goes backward. 
it begins to invert. It begins to go backwards. In other words, we begin to call right wrong. And we begin to call wrong right. Our value system becomes so messed up that we don't even know what to do. We glorify the ignorant in the... In the uh, and so, as our society goes on, but here in Malachi chapter 4, at the end, Malachi was a prophet during the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, and he writes this, and he says in verse 5, Malachi 4 verse 5, says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the youth pastor to the children. He will turn the hearts of the Cub Scout leader to the... No, it says the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of their children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In other words, here he's saying, Elijah, if you know what Elijah, Elijah meant, Elijah, he was a prophet in the Old Testament that literally brought Israel to a place of revival. He called fire down from heaven. 450 prophets of Baal were destroyed. Remember, it was Elijah, the prophet. He was a holy prophet of God that was living in a time where the Bible says that the children of Israel had made light. They had made light of the ways of God. It says that they had taken God's commandments... And it says they threw God's commandments behind their back. In other words, God's word and God's ways didn't mean anything. It says that they, they had forgotten the Lord and they took in His commandments and threw them behind their back. In other words, they had become careless. It was during the days of Elijah that he lived in the time when Ahab, the king of Israel, had intermarried with a Baal-worshipping woman whose name was Jezebel. Jezebel was a Baal-worshipping prophetess and a prostitute who actually, the Bible says, provoked the children of Israel and caused Israel to fall into idolatry. She led the parade of Israel into a rebellion against God. And the one, two things, two things that she did is she made sure that the prophets of God were incarcerated and put in prison. And the second thing she did is she tore down all of the landmarks and she tore down all of the altars of worship to Jehovah. She didn't want any kind of memory in Israel, in that time, no memory, no landmark of God at all in the nation. She wanted Baal worship. And do you know what happened to the nation of Israel? They went through a three-year famine. And Israel began to lose its way until God brought Elijah along. And Elijah began to call upon the people of Israel. And the first thing, the first thing that this father did, this Elijah did, it wasn't a father, Elijah did, was that he restored the, the broken altar of prayer. The first thing he did. 
was he restored the altar of prayer. How many of you believe that we need more prophets like Elijah in our day? Isn't it amazing right now? Do you know right now, folks, that there is... How many here have ever been to Washington, D.C.? How many of you have been and seen some of the landmarks, especially, uh, not the White House, but it's some of the different places there in the Capitol? You will see Bible verses all over the place. You will see Scripture. Do you know there's legislation right now trying to get those biblical landmarks removed? Out of the In fact, right now, even on our dollars and coins, in God we trust, they're trying to get it out. They're trying to get it off. It's no different than it was in the days of Elijah when King Ahab reigned as king. One of the things you will find that in the days of King Ahab was that there was a very strong... Because you see, during the days of Ahab, Ahab was a passive father. Jezebel was a very dominant feminist. Very dominant. Men were passive. Men were not fathers in the home. They let the women take the run and take the lead. By the way, I'm not against at all. I'm not against women in leadership. I think women have a place and a voice, not only in our home, but in our land as well. But we find that when there was a rebellion against God's established authority, we begin to become a nation out of balance. And when there was a rebellion, you find in the book of 1 Kings 17 through 19, that when Jezebel had her way, she made sure that Elijah, or I mean Ahab, her husband, was submitted to her. She did not submit to him. She ran the show. Very dangerous, dangerous situation. And the reason I bring that up, folks, is because in this passage here in Malachi chapter 4, the Bible says that one of the first things that a revival will do was restore the hearts of the fathers to the children. Not the hearts of the fathers towards their career. I believe in having a good career. I, I don't know about you. I, I was Yesterday, or the other day, I should say, I was turned on the television and I was watching the U.S. Open, the golf champion that's going on. And it's amazing to hear these announcers talking like golf. We've got to preserve the game and the integrity of golf and, and this game. And by the way, I like golfing myself, but I don't worship the game like these guys are talking about. As though that's the only thing. And Randy was telling me uh, that yesterday how Phil Mickelson, who's a father, who's one of the uh, key leaders there in this golf championship, uh, took time off during this U.S. Open. Randy, you can correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but he's a, he's a father. He took time and left the tournament, which is a big no-no, and went home to be with his 8th grade son's graduation. He left the tournament, and all of a sudden, all of these guys in, in the broadcasters and some of the big guys, how dare him leave this golf tournament to go home to be with his son? Can you believe that? But guess what? And Randy told me, he says, in spite of it all, he's come back, and he's on the top of the leaderboard anyway, which is kind of ironic. God still honored him in spite of it. 
But it's amazing today how our priorities are kind of messed up. And part of the purpose of the church is to help families get back to what God says brings the blessing. How many of you want the blessing on your life? I mean, there's some things that we need. We need to get back to the Word of God. We need to get back to what God says. And let's, we, we got to, this is not just some dead religion. We got to know what does God's Word actually teach? It just doesn't happen unless we know what the Bible teaches. Now, I want to, uh, I want to read something to you because I, I thought this was interesting. I, I took this little testimonial from a, a book that I'm reading from Chris Wallatin, and he was a he was a man who was raised by a single mom. And he didn't have a father in his life. But the Lord was gracious to bring men of God from the church into his life to be fathers. By the way, let me just say this to you, men. Just because you've raised your kids doesn't mean your job's done. In fact, just you're, you never stop being a father. Never. That may be a shock to some of you, but I'm here to let you know, get you back on track. Amen. You may say, well, I've raised my kids and I'm done with them. No, no, you're not. You're not done. Do you know that over 50% of most homes today, most kids are going to be raised by men that are not their fathers? There's many, many women today raising, playing the part of father and mother. And I thank God for those moms who are raising those kids. Thank God and we honor them as well, as well as fathers raising their kids without mothers. But here's the thing. In the kingdom of God, God's going to bring people into your life that God intends for you to father that, that may not even be your biological children. Because God wants your influence, your godly influence, to rub off. I, I, I cannot tell you how many times. I, I've raised three sons in my life, biological sons, and they've all been a blessing in my life. But God spoke to me years ago that I, Ray, I'm going to make you a father to others that are not in your home. And God has given me the uh, grace and the mercy to, to have that happen. Because fathering doesn't stop just because your kids graduate. We continue to open our home because that's what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God is opening your home. It's not just for you to relax and just sleep back and sit and just be selfish. God intended for you to find the blessing in serving others. In fact, do you know what entering into His rest is? Entering into His rest is by doing the will of God. In fact, you will find that a righteous man labors. He works. Not that we labor for righteousness, but there's a laboring. There's a work. He understands there's people to connect with and touch. And you can't father everybody. And there are times where we need rest, absolutely. But God's going to bring people into our life that God wants us to connect with. He wants us to bring them under our wings and to bless them. There are many of you in this church. I, I want to I let you know something. Because many people today, when they come to, to a church, they will refer to a pastor 
They've referred to me as Pastor Ray. And you know, the word pastor usually refers to my function. Pastor Ray. But do you know that before I'm a pastor, I am first a father? I want to say that so it just resonates. I am more of a father than a pastor. Because when you think of a function, it's like the manager at Walmart. Well, what do you do? I'm the manager. I'm the assistant manager. I keep the shelves stocked, and I keep the things in order, and I make sure that all the prices are on. When we think of the function of a person, it's more impersonal. But you know what God has called me to be? He's actually called me to be Papa of the house. Now, some of you may well, Pastor, you're not my Papa. I understand. I may not be your Papa. But my first responsibility is to really care for you. And I want to tell you, folks, I really love you. Do you know this? This may be a shock to some of you, and you may actually move for emotion for this. But, you know, I would do this without paying. Hey, praise God, let's go pay him. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not, no, I'm not kidding. I really mean it. I really mean it. I would do it without pay. Do you know why? Because it, it's because of what God's done in my heart with spiritual fathers in my life. You can't pay someone enough for that. But to me, love, loving you and knowing you is more important than getting a paycheck. And I really mean that. There was a day when I used to do carpentry and pastor at the same time. But my first responsibility is to love you. It's not just to put the message together, my three points and a poem and an outline, and, you know, pray for you. Okay, come on, let's pray, pray, rest all week. God, get out and go home. Just, I'll do my points and get you out of here. That's the way some pastors are. Okay, we got our hour. Okay, if you need some help, come and get me, but as soon as you're done, get out. That's the way some pastors are. They're, that's what the Bible refers to as a hireling. They work for money, but they have no care. They have no compassion for people. I am so grateful that I had a father in my life. Uh, I, my natural dad, he taught me how to work. He taught me how to be a carpenter, and he was there for me. He raised me, but it was my, my pastor that really became... He helped me to understand what it was to be a man, to understand what it is to open my heart and to understand what it is to really love, care, and communicate. I thank God that my pastor, Dick Iverson, wasn't just always strong, but I appreciated the times when he was weak. Because when he was weak, it's where the grace of God flowed. See, men today, I want to have that strength. I'm strong. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Things are going fine. But you see, that's, that really conveys a false message. In other words, it, what it conveys is that you have to be strong and you have to be in control for everything to work. 
And you see, one thing I've come to find out is that God is attracted to weakness because when I'm weak, he is strong. And that goes contrary to the mindset of our natural minds. And I appreciated the times where my pastor was weak. When he opened his life and let me inside to see that he wasn't always the big man that he appeared to be. Because what it showed me was that when he was weak and that he needed the Lord, that God was always faithful to him. You see, today in our society, it's the winners! It's the people that score the touchdowns and the home runs and really climb the ladder of success and status in society. Those are the role models that we want to look at. But you know what? Many of those guys, you look at their lives, their families are a wreck. They've climbed the ladder of success. They've tried to educate themselves so they don't appear stupid. We want to be smart and intelligent so we can impress. We are here, we dress to impress. That's our society. But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. God's not impressed how you dress and how... I'm not suggesting that God wants us to go around being dummies either. He obviously wants us to grow and learn and be the best. We should pursue excellence. But when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our homes, many of us today, we've not had good role models. They say 50% of most children today are not raised by their natural fathers. And many today that are raised, even with their natural parents, many of them may be there, but they're really not there. Many parents don't even know how to communicate. Many fathers, I've talked, I can't tell you how many fathers I've talked to. Pastor, you know what, I'm a dad. I've I, I got this child in my life now. I, I don't even know, I don't even know how to get the first base. I don't know what I'm doing. I really appreciate the honesty. And I said, you know what, you're really in a great place. And they, they look at me like, what do you mean I'm in a great place? I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, you're in a great place because it's there where God wants to lead you. He wants to strengthen you. It's the man who thinks he's in control, who tries to control everything, that eventually loses it. Um, I, I want you to jump over with me to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Notice what Paul says. Here's a man who, a Pharisee. Paul was in a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was very well instructed in the Word, very knowledgeable. He was a scholar in his day. He was a builder. He was an empire builder. But here to the church at Corinth that he birthed, in this church, he says, he says in verse 14, 1 Corinthians 4.14, he says, I do not write things to shame you, but as beloved children I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, to imitate me for this reason I've sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and 
faithful son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everyone in the church. Amen. We need role models. And I believe we have some awesome role models at New Life Fellowship. I really believe that. I believe we have some awesome men and women, but I'm speaking to fathers today. I wanted to read this little story to you about Chris Volatin. It says this. He says, I will never forget the night that Kathy, this is his wife, and I received the Lord. I was 18 and Kathy was 15 years old at the time. They, they weren't married, but they were boyfriend and girlfriend. They received the Lord. He says this, I had an encounter three years earlier that sent me on a journey to find God. My mother had become very sick with psoriasis and her body was covered with a rash. To make matters worse, for nearly a year, we had a prowler looking through our windows at night, terrorizing us. One night, I even took a shot at him after I awoke to find him coming through my bedroom window. The police were at our house several times a week. My mother was sleeping on the couch with a shotgun. I would wake up in the middle of the night and hear my mom crying as she struggled to keep herself together. This was all extremely unsettling for a 15-year-old boy who was the oldest of three children. We were not raised in a religious home, and therefore I didn't really know if there was a God. One summer night, about 3 o'clock in the morning, the pressure got to be so much for me that I sat up against my headboard. It was pitch dark, and I could hear my mother weeping quietly in the front room. I cried out in desperation and said, If there is a God, if you will heal my mother, I will find out who you are, and I will serve you the rest of my life. Just then an audible voice answered and said, My name is Jesus Christ, and you will have what you requested. The very next morning, my mother woke up completely healed. Her psoriasis was gone, and within a few days, the police caught the prowler, and life began to change. And then a week or so passed, and I was lying on my bed around midnight, contemplating these amazing events When suddenly the voice came to me again, he said, my name is Jesus Christ. You said if I healed your mother, you would serve me, and I am waiting. I began searching for God everywhere. I would go to different churches and stand in the back during the services to wait to see if God was there. I'd often leave in a disappointment saying to myself, the God who spoke to me is not in this place. Finally, three years later, Kathy and I were invited to a friend's fellowship. It was a church group packed with young people. They were all excited about Jesus. We came in and sat down on the floor with about a hundred other kids. We were worship started and everyone began singing passionately with their hands raised and the music died down and the leader gave an invitation for anyone who wanted to receive Christ. Kathy and I were the first. We raised our hands and prayed a prayer asking the Lord to forgive our sins and come into our lives. We didn't realize it then, but what had happened next would forever change our lives. After the meeting ended, the leader came over and introduced himself, and he explained what it meant to be saved, 
how we were newborn babies in the kingdom and we needed to be fathered. He then introduced us to three young men and asked which one of those men we wanted to father us. And I didn't realize that fathering wasn't normal in church at the time because I didn't, hadn't been in church much. And we picked a man named Art Kipperman who was about three years our senior. Him and his wife, Kathy, be, uh, became our spiritual parents. It was an awesome Having someone to mentor us and speak into our lives, we had a relationship with them, with them from that point on. A few, few years later, we moved up to the Trinity Alps in Northern California. We lived there a year with, without the benefit of having spiritual father and mother living alongside us. And I was starving to be nurtured, felt lost. I began to cry out to the Lord to send me a father. I was working as a mechanic in a repair shop at the time, and one day while I was laying on a creeper, that's one of these things you lay on the ground with under a car, underneath a green Jeep Wagoneer, the Lord spoke to me saying, the man who owns this Jeep will be your father. I had been praying fervently that day about the void in my life, but I didn't even know the man who owned the Jeep. When that particular customer came in to pick up his vehicle, I collected his money, explained the work order to him, and I was so nervous. He was about 20 years older than me and seemed very warm and loving, and I accompanied him to his car, still trying to gather the courage to tell him what the Lord had said to me. How many of you know that would be kind of gutsy to do something like that, especially to a stranger? By the way, I would recommend that you don't do that unless you really hear from God. I accompanied him to his car, still trying to gather the courage to tell him what God had said to me. He got into the Jeep, rolled down his window, and then I I stumbled over the words, and finally I blurted out, God told me that the man who owned this Jeep would be my spiritual father. I was choking back the tears. He turned off the engine, opened the door of his truck. He stood up, wrapped his arms around me, and said, I would be honored to be your father. This man's name is Bill Derryberry, and he, was, and he has been my mentor for more than 20 years, and his love and discipline has changed my life, and I am forever indebted to him. That's, that's really, now, I'm not saying that you have to be underneath a wagoneer to find your father, but I do believe that it's important that we have spiritual fathers in our life. And we need to know, what does a spiritual father look like? How many of you want to know what a spiritual father looks like? Amen. Well, first of all, he doesn't have to be a pastor. Spiritual father doesn't have to be a pastor. But I do believe that a spiritual father, number one, must be an individual who takes great interest in your life. And they love you. And they speak words of life to you. And they have a concern about your future. And these are people that you have a freedom to open up your heart to. I don't believe you should open it up to anybody. I do believe the Bible says to know them which labor among you. There's some wisdom here. I wouldn't recommend that you follow this picture of Chris Volatin. He's an elder at the Bethel Church. This was his story out of his book on royalty. But I want you to jump over with me to Luke 1. I want to show you something, and I'm going to be a porcupine preacher here this morning. I'm going to give you 10 points and quit. 
But I want to, because what a spiritual father. I want you to see something about this father. In Luke 1, and I'm going to move really quickly here because my time is going. In Luke chapter 1, this is Zechariah, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. You remember what the story was behind this? An angel came to Zechariah. He was in his old age. and Him and his wife were barren. They hadn't had children. The angel stood beside the brazen altar and said, Your son, your wife is going to have a son. And the Bible says that Zechariah doubted the word of the Lord. And the Bible said that because he doubted, he was mute. He couldn't speak. And, it, and he was supposed to be a teaching priest. By the way, do you know that doubt and unbelief will shut your mouth? It will always shut your mouth. You won't be able to speak. But he was, he was in doubt, but the nine months had ended, and it was here in verse 57, Luke 1, 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son, and when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to the circumcised the child, that they would have called him by the name of his father, Zechariah. Now notice the tradition here. We're following the tradition. How many of you know God doesn't always follow the tradition? His mother answered and said, No! He shall be called John. And they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who's called by the name of this, by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened. And his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came upon all who dwelt around them, and all these things were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judah, and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of a child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now the father, Zechariah, now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. And He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets who have been since the world begin that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant unto us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him in all the days of our life. And you, child, here's verse 76, Zechariah now, he turns to this baby and thank God for fathers who prophesy over their sons. And you shall be a great golf champion. You will be going to Yale University and be a doctor. No, what what does he say? What does this man of God say? You will be called a prophet of the highest. 
Guess what, fathers? God wants you to literally declare the prophetic spiritual destiny of your child. That's our first calling. We're called to prophesy the spiritual destiny over our children. I wonder, I wonder if some of the reasons why our kids do not serve God is it because we haven't prophesied. You know why? Because the educators in our schools and their friends are doing more prophesying over them than we are. And guess what? Whatever is spoken over them is going to come to pass. That's why I would challenge us. about time to speak up. It's time to speak up. Well, let me tell you something. This is a true story. Remember, a young lady from this church came home one time. She was visiting years ago, came home. She was just kind of on a break, spring break kind of a situation. She was kind of getting all sorts of trouble at school and college. She was a great young lady here at the church, but when she went away, got some trouble in the college, got messing around with some of the wrong friends. And she said, you know what, when I was home, my dad hardly had anything to do with me. But when I got into college, boy, all the professors, they had plenty of things to tell me and had a lot to say with what I was going to do with my life and where I'm going with my life. So I just started following their direction blindly. Got her into trouble. Got her head messed up with all the psychology and philosophy in her life. She was just screwed up in her mind because there was an absent father's voice in her life. I I can't tell you enough. We've got to open our mouth. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I've got to to say amen, Ray. Good good preaching. (laughs) No, I'm not trying to be egotistical. I just just think we need... here's, here's Here's the pattern. And you will go before the face of the Lord, prepare His ways to give knowledge of salvation to His people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God which was the day spring from on high, has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness, the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And notice what verse 80 says. I love it. So the child grew, became strong in spirit, and was in the desert of the days of, until the manifestation to Israel. How many of you want your children to grow up to be strong? Amen. Strong, full of life. That is the result of a father taking his place. You know what? I've got to tell you something. Several years ago when my boys were like 18, turning 18, 19, and I'll never forget, there were some single people in New Life. Now, Pastor Ray, you got to keep your hands on. It's now, you got to back off now. Stop, stop. You know, your son's turned 18. Now it's time for them to step out and wing it on their own. And That counsel was wrong. I had single people say, ah, you don't need to speak into the life. Just kind of let them go. You've got you to gotta let them go. It's called the empty nest syndrome. So let them go. Do you know that that's not scriptural? Do you know that in the Bible, that the older your ch- you see, you're training your children when they're younger. You're teaching them how to think, how to talk, so that when they become 18, 19, 20, actually in the Jewish culture, even up to the age of 30 and 40, fathers still had an influence over their sons and daughters. Not in this culture. We think, well, when they're 18, hands off, you're out of my health, go. And we say, now, now, now it's up to you, buddy. I've done all I can say to you. That's all I can do. It's up to you now. Now they need you then. 
Now they need you now. Because now their thoughts, they're, they're able to think and talk and communicate. They've grown to mature. Now they're able to receive. But our culture says, hands off, let them fly. That's not biblical. I know that that's probably why our church is awful small, because I'm teaching things all the time that go against this culture. Because in the Bible, Zechariah, he starts off. And notice, I want to give you three things on this. First of all, back in verse 60, I love it. Here's a father and a mother, by the way, that when they determined the name of what his name was to be, they didn't follow family tradition, they followed the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, Zechariah the first, Zechariah the second, Zechariah the third, should be Zechariah the No. They were led by the Holy Spirit, said, you know what? We're not following family tradition. I want to tell you something. Remember what Jesus said, no man can be my disciple unless he hates his father, mother, child. Let me tell you what that means. Do you know what? I've seen people do this at New Life. I can't come to church this morning because my family's in town. Bring them to church. Well, yeah, but I don't want to push Jesus down the throat because they're not Christians. Bring them to church or let them stay home because as for you and your house, you're going to serve God. Well, isn't that disrespectful? Shouldn't I stay home? No. Remember what Jesus said? Why do you think Jesus said, unless a man hates his father and mother? What does that mean? That means you go to the house of God. You're focused on the kingdom. Actually, you're going to be a better testimony to your family who doesn't go to church. So then, man, I can't believe they're all pumped up and excited about church. I wonder why. It's because Jesus made a change in my life. I'm actually back to normal. Being spiritual is normal. I'm excited about the... Well, I thought talking about the beer and the Dallas Cowboys career. And, well, that's not normal. That's sick. When you're normal, spiritual destiny is what's healthy. But the world would like you to think, oh, oh, Dave, you're just kind of going overboard on the spiritual stuff lately. Chill down, get back to the pubs and start drinking. By the way, he doesn't do that. <laughs> I, I, I just, our world is backwards. We think you're not normal unless you can crack up some dirty jokes and stay home from church and just, you know, they think that's, a, no, normal for us is kingdom business. Seek first the kingdom of God. When my parents and my family come to Dallas, I say, guess what? You guys can stay at home or you can come to church where we're at. Well, you're not very honoring. Oh, yes, I am. I'm honoring the Lord. And if you will believe the way we believe, you'll get saved, go to heaven. And I'd rather have you in heaven than, hurt, than, than stepping on your toes. I, I, want you to, I want you to understand it. You see, we, we need to understand what this means. Here, John the Baptist was willing to break family tradition to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, even though some family members might have been offended. You're not following the Zacharias tradition, Zach. I know, we're following the Holy Spirit. 
The second thing, I love it. Here's a father with a loose. Everyone say loosed. His tongue was loose. How many of you want to see your fathers and husbands with a loose tongue? In other words, they're loosed to speak faith. We're loosed to speak life. We're loosed to talk about the things of God. I tell you, I, I think it's so important. I think it should be the most natural thing to talk about God. I've actually asked, do you ever talk about God? Well, no. It's good to just say, let's talk about God today. Let's talk about God. You don't have to come under a guilt trip. We're going to talk about the Lord and talk about His goodness. And By the way, I think that fathers, real key point here, Fathers need to make serving God fun. Make it fun. Let's talk about how great it is. Because it really is. I don't know about you guys, but I, I love to cast out demons. I like to see the sick healed. I like to be blessed. Uh, I like to see people set free. Anybody out there like that? Like to see people set free? Uh, how many of you like to see homes that are rocky and shady and shaken apart put back together? To me, that's fun. Seeing people walk in a place of honor and glory and, and uh, restored, healthy mind, healthy vision, really talking about real joy in the house. Isn't that a blast? And, and uh, when we talk to our kids, they say, you know what, serving God is the best thing that can ever happen. If you go back to Deuteronomy 6, for the sake of time, I won't go, but God told Israel literally to fathers how to talk to your sons in Deuteronomy 6. You can read it. Powerful testimony. The last thing here we find here is this. Is that Zechariah began to prophesy destiny in verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. God has orchestrated. Let me tell you something, fathers. You are seed bearers. Every father bears seed. God intended for you not just to impregnate a womb, but God intended for you to impregnate a mind. God wants you to sow seed. There's a reason why you're a father. You're an impregnator. You are to impregnate vision, values, power, and purpose. And you can do it. And uh, when, when you begin to follow your kids, confidence going to grow. Vision's going to be there. I know where I'm going. You know, you want to be a dentist? You want to be a carpenter? You want to be a doctor? You want to be a pilot? Go for it. Go for it. But live in the kingdom of God. Quickly, ten things. What do healthy fathers do? I'm going to move on this really quickly. So you're if, empowering fathers. Empower. What do healthy fathers do? Number one, healthy fathers follow Jesus and model submission to the Lord by sub- submitting to His authority. The first thing, healthy fathers model what it is to follow Jesus. If I want my kids to serve God, I need to follow Jesus. I can't stay home from church and expect my kids to follow God. Healthy fathers follow Jesus. Healthy fathers lead by example. They're an example in their life. And you know what? Today is the first day 
of many days. Today you can start being an example. Don't let the devil pick you down or put you down because of past mistakes. You can grow through those things. Healthy fathers bounce back. They lead by example. Number three, healthy fathers empower their family with faith, love, and hope. You speak life. You speak love. I remember when my sons were in our home growing. One of the first things we did was we, when they become in, in their grade school, we began to tell our sons that they had gifts. Now, they didn't have gifts that were obvious, but we began to talk to them about the arts, about music, and our boys began to move towards music. And we empowered them with their gifts. Every child has a gift that has to be discovered. And fathers, you're there to help bring that about. I am there to help my sons, my daughters, discover those gifts. Now some of us, we've never been told this. Some of us have never had fathers tell us that I had gifts. But today, amen, now you know. (laughs) Praise God. Healthy fathers model what it means to be vulnerable. Because being vulnerable conveys God's grace where we are weak. What does it mean to be? What does it mean to be vulnerable? Well, what it means to be vulnerable is to talk about things at times that you're going through. Some people think, well, I don't want to let my kids know about the finances, and I don't want to let the kids know that mom and me are going through some certain problems. I I know you've got to be discreet on how you speak, but I know that in... Our home, when we would talk to our sons about things that we were walking through, our sons had a greater appreciation for God's grace because they saw mom and dad lean on God because we didn't have all the answers. And guess what? Did that ever take a huge weight off my shoulders? Being vulnerable is important for your kids to understand how you trust God, how they can trust God. I want my kids to know that I can't do anything without God. I can't do anything. And I even let them know more that I can't do hardly anything at all without your mother. I need your mother for my cooking and all that. I'm a really bad cook. Uh, I know that's an excuse now. I'm borderlining on that one. But we we need to convey areas of vulnerability. I I remember speaking to my sons about an area where I failed in. To my sons. I wanted them to know that I had failed in a particular area so they wouldn't have to go through the stuff I had to go through. But I had to be open and honest about it. There's an old there's some kind of a belief that's, I don't know where it came from, that, well, if you're weak, they won't honor and uh, respect you. That's just not true. Actually, if you come across arrogantly, and like you have never had a problem, that's where people really despise you that way. But when when you're real and honest with them, Real fathers, healthy fathers, apologize when necessary and say, I was wrong, please forgive me. I was wrong. Amen? I was wrong, please forgive me. 
you don't have to say you're right when you're right. You don't, you don't, you're right. You don't. But to say I was wrong, please forgive me. What does that do? Does that make your child or kids think, well, I got dad now. Oh, he said he was wrong. Well, no, it, it does the opposite. All of a sudden, your kids say, wow. Dad humbled himself. I, I got to tell you something. I remember having a father tell me several years ago, having serious marriage problems. He's a full-grown man. And I told this guy, I said, have you ever said you were sorry to your wife? Oh, hell no. Hell no. I'm not going to apologize to her. What do you think that'll do? That just opens a whole can of worms, a Pandora's box. She'll think she's right on everything. I said, where did you get that thinking? Come to find out. Just asking a few more questions. Found out his father never ever said he was wrong. So he grew up in an environment where dad's always right. Dad never, never, dad never said he's wrong. Therefore, I'm never wrong. Guess what? He lives in a hell of a marriage. Marriage's going through hell. She can't stand him. He can't stand him. That's sad. By the way, do you know why you're not perfect? <laughs> this is a revelation. You know why you're not perfect? It's so you get the opportunity to say, I'm wrong. So you get the opportunity to say, wow, what a relief it is to know I can say I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and we can start all over again. And what, a, what amazing relief and how the atmosphere changes when two people can say, will you please forgive me? Oh, I messed up. I, my attitude was sick today. Was I ever selfish or not? Boy, I'm glad you finally got the revelation. Now we can have some peace in the home. But you know what? How many here have ever been in a relationship where you're always walking on pins and needles because you're afraid that the person who's in control, they never say they're wrong. They're always right, and you have to do it their way. That would be hell. That's hell. That's, that's pure, unadulterated selfishness, actually. But when you have people say, you know what, I was wrong. By the way, do you know, this week, I had to say to my wife two times I was wrong. This week, maybe more than that. Already, I've had to say to my wife, I was wrong. You know, Carol, when I say that, she never says anything back. She just says, I know. That's all she says. I know. So I, I've learned that the quickest way to have peace in the home is to apologize. And by the way, that's what trains your children to take ownership. Because you know there's nothing that is more sad than to raise a child. <laughs> I got to tell you, I had this one father who came, his, uh, was having problems with the daughter. And I asked this father, I said, uh, you know, with all the problems you're having and, you know, what's going on, would, would you ever marry your own daughter the way you've raised her? He said, well, no, I wouldn't. I said, well, then why would you hand her off to any other guy? You know? 
That just doesn't make sense. You want to do your homework. You want to do it right. Amen? We want to do this right. Number six. Healthy fathers guard, protect their homes by being watchmen on the walls in their home. I think healthy fathers watch what's coming into the house. Healthy fathers ask their kids questions. Good preaching, Pastor Rick. Where have you been? How late are you going to be? What's your boyfriend, your girlfriend like? What you been doing on that date? Healthy fathers do not let their kids have driver's license and cell phones until they're responsible. And all the teenagers said, boo. I mean, it is just common sense. If she's lying, if he's lying, if they're not doing what you do in the net, why would you give them a car or a license? You are asking for a headache. Don't do it. I mean, if my sons do not clean up their room, they don't take out the garbage when I say, why would I give them a driver's license? Now, when they become 18, then they can go get their driver's license when they move out because the headache is on them. But until then, until you show stages of responsibility in these younger times, that's what a father does. Fathers are not afraid to say no. Everyone say no. Say yes. Well, it's okay to say yes, too. I want to say yes, too. But, but it's important to say, I need to say no. And I need to say yes here, and I need to say no there. Healthy parents do that. Amen. I, 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 want, I want, by the way, the reason I'm talking like this today, I want your families to make it. So, amen. I know I'm stepping on toes, but Jesus heals broken toes. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Number seven, healthy fathers are affectionate in caring. I want to tell you something. This is sad. As a pastor, I, I hear of women and men. They'll sit in my office crying. I've never had a hug from my dad. Never had my mom or my dad say, I love you, care for you. That's sad. I'm talking about healthy affection. Every girl needs a hugs from their dad. Hugs from their mom. I love you. You're special. Oh, you're the best thing that ever came along. I love you. You make me proud. Not because you got A's. Not because you made the team. Not because you did certain things that made me proud. I love you. I'm proud of you whether you didn't do anything or not. We need to say that to our kids. That's what healthy fathers do. Healthy fathers produce healthy kids. Number eight, healthy fathers work and provide for their families. Spirit, soul, and body. Not just worried about the body, but you're worried about the spirit. Fathers should be asking their sons and daughters, how's your prayer life going? Can I, well, can I pray with you about this problem or this issue? You're worried about what they're thinking emotionally. How are they emotionally? That's what fathers do. That's what moms do. Proverbs brings all these things out. I'm just moving really quick. Healthy fathers honor their wives. In the home said that the children will honor the Lord and continue to the next generation. If I do not honor my wife as a husband, 
my sons will not honor their wives. Same thing. Wives should honor their husbands. Wives should honor the fathers of their children. It goes both ways. Amen? Boy, it's awful quiet. We need an altar call here or what? How do you honor your wife? You don't talk down to her. You treat her as a loving partner. You respect her. You honor her. You don't butt in. You don't say things like, shut up. I can't stand. We don't, we don't, that's not, that's, we don't do that. It's not in our house. We're honoring, we're honor our spouses because little ears and little eyes are watching. Do you know what? Benny Hinn said this. I thought this was interesting. Years ago, he's talking about the family. You know, Benny Hinn's been known for his healing ministry. He said he went back to do some follow-up just on the people that had been after his healing crusades to find out what happened with some of the families. One of the things they found out is that kids that walked away from the Lord didn't walk away from the Lord because there wasn't enough miracles or that there wasn't enough awesome youth things going on in their churches. Kids walked away from the home because they never saw mom and dad demonstrate love and honor to each other because when that was lacking, the children did not see any worth in serving the Lord. It wasn't because of the lack of church activities or miracles or signs and wonders. It was when mom and dad did not honor and love one another, their kids saw Christianity as worthless. And that's sad. That's why moms and dads, we got to work on it. By the way, I'll be the first to stand up here and tell you that I haven't always spoken the best way to my wife. I've had to apologize over my sons. I've had to apologize to my sons. I've not done things. My attitude's been wrong. I've said wrong things to Carol. I've had to apologize over and over. But I'm so glad that God still believed in me, and he let me have a fresh start. And you know, you can, you can find restoration. Just a few more, and then I'm done here. Number 10, healthy fathers pray. Everyone say pray with their families, and bring encouraging words of edification. Fathers pray with their families. Not just pray over dinner time. Oh, Lord, bless the soup in Jesus' name. No, more than praying over the soup. We need to say, sons, daughters, let's, we're going to pray. You don't have to be a theologian. We're just going to pray to God. We're going to just talk to God. You may just get around the table, and just say, God, I love you today. I'm a father that doesn't know a whole lot where I'm going, but I just need you today. I need my kids to know that I love you, care about you, Jesus. Help my kids to fear God. Lord, help them to walk in your ways. Help them to learn from my mistakes so they can honor you and find the blessing of the Lord. That's all it takes. Just being honest. You don't have to come, oh, holy God, 
Oh, blessed Jesus, oh, please now help us in our hour of need. We ask you, uh, you know, you don't pray Pentecostal. Just, just be real. Just, just, just be real about it. Number 11. <clears throat> I told you it would be a porcupine messenger. Healthy fathers prioritize the Word of God and the house of the Lord in their home so that the children will have a healthy model to follow. All of our days, our kids, my wife and I, we feel that the house of the Lord, David said in Psalms, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. David said that in the Bible. How many of you want your kids to have goodness and mercy? In the house of the Lord, I want my kids to grow up in the house of the Lord and prioritize the Word. What that means, prioritizing the Word is when it comes to the daily choices and decisions in life. We actually will ask, what does the Bible say? Let's go to the Word of God. Hey, Dad, I want to go out and date this ungodly, unbelieving guy. He's so handsome and he's cute and all. He's so popular. I want to go out. Let's see what the Bible says, sweetheart. That's what a father would say. Hey, Dad, I want to go out. We're going to go shoplifting tonight and because uh, you know all the other friends are all shoplifting. I'm not kidding. This is trends. Shoplift. Well, let's see what the Bible says about stealing. Hey, Dad, you wouldn't believe what happened today at school, man. This kid got up and just railed and mocked our teacher. was making fun of him, throwing books and just slamming him with curse words. I thought it was so funny. Well, let's see what the Bible says about that. I'm not kidding. That, that's our culture today. And what's sad is that fathers and sisters, well, well, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. No, instead of saying you shouldn't do that, Let's go to the Word and see what the Word says. Let the Word be a higher authority than you. The last one is this. Number 12, healthy fathers maintain their personal relationship with the Lord. Not just on Sunday. So they will maintain a balance in their life. How many of you want to have balanced lives? Let's stand to our feet, shall we? The intent of this message to help us understand what a healthy father is. Healthy fathers. I don't know about you, but health, being healthy is maintaining balance. I need to maintain balance. I need a good, I need impartation of the word. I need healthy friends. I need healthy fellowship. I also need to know that my God is for me and not against me. I'm here to tell you fathers today, the Lord's here to empower you and to let you know that God is for you, not against you. You know what? One thing that I, I feel that is sad that's taking place also in our society is that when we instruct in the way of wisdom and we tell people what the Word says, even when we bring a word of correction, Sometimes that word of correction can be taken as a word of rejection. And that's sad. We all need correction. We all need help. So my prayer is that, is that we, as we grow in the Lord, as we grow in the knowledge of His ways, that we know, number one, that our Heavenly Father loves us. That what He says 
is because he loves and cares for us. A healthy father will maintain these values. I want you to close your eyes and maybe this morning, someone may be here this morning and say, Pastor Ray, I, I don't know the Lord. I've never known the Lord. I, I've never known Jesus in my life. I did not know that as for me in my house to serve the Lord was to put God first. I, I've just had a religious experience. I don't even know Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. If you want to find Jesus, you want to know Jesus as Lord of your life, okay? Anyone here that just says, I don't know the Lord and I want to know Him. I need to know God. Okay? The next thing I want to do then, I want all the fathers to come up. I want all the fathers, grandfathers, all the fathers to come up. I'm going to pray for all the fathers. I'm going to tell you something, and we're going to pray and let you go. I know our time is short. I felt the need to pray for fathers today. I know not all our fathers here, but I want to tell you guys, God loves you, and God looks upon you favorably. He does. He looks on you favorably. The very first time Jesus spoke to Peter, Simon's name means a reed shaken in the wind. <clears throat> the first time Jesus spoke to Peter, the first thing Jesus did <clears throat> was that he changed his name. He said, you're no longer Simon, but Peter the rock. Jesus honored Peter by saying, Peter, I'm going to take what your dad named you and I'm going to give you a new destiny and your name's going to now mean a rock instead of a reed shaken in the wind. I felt the Lord impress on me this morning in prayer to tell these men, all of you guys, that God has a destiny of honor, a destiny of influence. And you guys are history makers. And there's nothing to bow your head in any shame, your Heavenly Father, if there's ever been sin or weakness. I'm so glad our Father's forgiven us, hasn't He? And He believes in you. He stands with you. And I'd like all of us to pray for our fathers. Can we do that? We're going to pray right now. Let's just pray. Father, we thank You for these men. Lord, we thank You, Lord, that You've planted them as, as men in our lives to have influence, to have wisdom, to have strength. And Lord, more than ever, these men, Lord, need a vision they need a prophetic unction from you. They need to be led by the Holy Spirit, even like Zechariah. Lord, that will take a stand even in the evil day, even as it was in the days of Elijah, Lord, where he rebuilt the altar of prayer as they begin to prioritize the power of Jehovah among them. Lord, we pray for the men. Lord, for confidence, for life, Father, we pray, Lord, that, that these men will become as Daniel, men of conviction who purposed in their heart not to defile themselves. Men who purposed, Lord, in their heart to seek first your kingdom. Men who understand the importance of, of balance in their life, work and relationship, even fun and and the concerns that they have. We pray for that balance that they need to maintain.
Father, I pray for men right now that are under so much stress, financial stress, relational, emotional stress. We pray, Lord, that there would be an impartation to them, Lord Jesus, where they would fully put their trust in you. Lord, you didn't call us to be perfect men, but you called us to be willing men. And Lord, today we, 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 we approach and we offer ourselves unto you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. We've all failed. We all know what it's like to miss the mark. But Lord, you've, you've paid the price. You've seated us together today with you in heavenly places. My prayer today, Lord, is the men will walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, I pray that their minds would be renewed in the Holy Spirit, that they would have prosperous minds, that their spirit and soul would prosper as their spirit prospers. Break the spirit of poverty and break the I can't and the I don't know mentality. Give them a confident David kind of an attitude, Lord. Father, help us to know our identity and our place in Christ. That you've seated us, Lord, as more than conquerors. Lord, even the challenges that we face, we will not bow down or bend our knee like Israel did, Lord. But Lord, we will stand as men of God, men of conviction, men with backbone. Lord, understanding the, the importance and the power of even being vulnerable at times. Lord, I thank you for these mighty men of valor. Oh God, I ask you in the days ahead, Lord, that they will rise, Lord. Be prayer warriors in their home. Be leaders, Lord. Examples, Lord. Not only following their, fathering their own children, but Lord, even those around in their community. Help them to be examples, encouragers. Oh, Lord, real leaders in the, in the community. Father, we need this in our nation more than ever. We ask you, Lord, to just pour out your Spirit upon us. Strengthen our homes. <clears throat> Strengthen our marriages, Lord. We need you, God. We need you more than ever. We need you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give these guys a big hug. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great afternoon and a Father's Day. Blessed night. Yes.